Welcome to Through the Keyhole, home of the Association of Laparoscopic Surgeons of Great Britain and Ireland podcast, putting innovation, technology and training at the heart of surgery. We want this to be a two-way dialogue, so join the conversation by emailing hello at ttkpodcast.com and do share with your medical friends. ALSGBI podcast through the keyhole. Today we've got an exciting guest with us, um, Mr. Andrea Saracino, who is a newly appointed, fresh off the block consultant from Yeovil District Hospital in Somerset. Welcome, Andrea. We've got Lydia uh, Newton here as well, and myself, Lucy Hupler. Um, Tan is unfortunately not with us today. So just to give a bit of a basic introduction about Andrea, he originally did his training in Italy, which is where he's from. Um, and he, I worked with him um, when he was finishing his training in Bristol. So Andrea, um, if you'd like to just tell us a little bit about where you went to medical school and um, your career in Italy and then your career in England and how you got to where you are now. Lovely. Okay. Um, so thank you very much, as I said, for having me. Um, I um, studied medicine in Rome at the Sapienza University in Rome. Um, and in Italy, it's, uh, it's pretty much the same, but it takes six years to, to get through the medical school. Um, after six years, I got my graduation. And then again, the university will provide a specialization um, for depending on what your training um, uh, aspirations are. And for me, it was general surgery. So I went straight into general surgical training uh, provided by the university. So I did that in Rome at the same university. And that takes another six years. Um, I realized that when I was at my fourth or fifth year of general surgery, I wasn't really happy with how things were going especially from the point of view of being able to take responsibility for things, making decisions and operating. So I thought an experience abroad would be helpful. Uh, at that point, I was looking for probably more either France or Switzerland because of language <laughs> being slightly easier uh, for the Italian <laughs> to go to uh, another Neo-Latin uh, uh, speaking country. Uh, but then had some friends in Bath who invited me to to come over and I just found myself in the UK, which was great. So I started, yeah, I had a fellowship in Bath when I was, honestly, compared to a trainee in the UK, probably ST4, ST5 level. Um, and had a job as a registrar, loved it. It was honorary contract initially, had to go through an English exam called IELTS and get good marks to be able to, to work and get the license to practice so for the first three months I actually just shadowed um, some guy who was, uh, was actually from Birmingham so I might have got a bit of a Brummie accent. Obviously jokes apart yeah it was it was a lovely time but I couldn't touch a patient I couldn't do anything I was just shadowing until I got that uh, I, I didn't really need to do any extra exams to, to be able to have a license to practice. It was just English language. Okay. It was quite interesting what you said about um, how you felt that um, in Rome and when you were training, that you kind of felt like you weren't given the responsibility that you wanted. I've heard that from another trainee actually, who's from um, 
Italy and he came over for a similar reason. How do you think it would be, you know, if you had stayed there, do you think would that have just continued and continued? Is that the kind of ethos there or do you just get let loose when you're a consultant? How does it work? That's exactly um, right. So basically we, we all feel that when we're in training in Italy, you basically just you know, go on year by year and you just get along with what's needed and try and do things, but it's all consultant-based. So all the decisions are made by a consultant. All you do is to be um, going to see patients or going to operate on patients always with a consultant there, including mm. the assessment. Um, so it's very difficult to be able to do things. An example that I always give is on my first walk around in the UK, I was happy to send the patient home and I thought, Okay, do, who do I ask permission? So can I send this patient home? What is the consultant? Yeah. Because obviously, you know, it's oh something I've, I had never been able to do. And what, why is it uh, like which that? You guys, uh, it's because, as you said, everything is more, you know, something that you get to do at a later stage. So okay. it used to be traditionally that you would be in the school of surgery that you belong to. Uh, and therefore, they will get you in the training system. And then once you trained <laughs> in inverted commas, then you actually start. Then you actually start training. training. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So you basically need a consultant job before starting being properly able, properly able to, to be a surgeon. Uh, and I didn't like that, you know, uh, the fifth year of general surgery, knowing that I would have a piece of paper saying I'm a surgeon, I could do uh, everything a surgeon does. I didn't feel like a surgeon, so I had to go elsewhere and do that. I'm yeah, sure yeah. other schools in Italy are different, other universities are better from that point of view, but um, my training was more um, oriented on uh, emergency surgery. I was attending emergency surgical wards uh, most of the time and doing some, some electives, but not much. So, for example, I had never done or seen uh, a laparoscopic uh, colorectal resection before coming to the UK, and I'll, I'll, that's my specialty. Yeah. So um, you said you came over sort of five years after your into your surgical training in Rome yeah so you hadn't completed your kind of training so you couldn't transfer as a consultant is that what I correct yeah Yeah, absolutely right so basically they let me do uh, 12 to 18 months abroad as a contract with the university and then go back and CCT in Italy Uh, the CCT concept doesn't exist uh, for us it is a British um, way of saying things but I just got my certification it's like having another degree uh, instead of being you know a doctor I'm now a surgeon and I got that mm-hmm. after ha- having spent 18 months in Bath went back to Rome did my final dissertation uh, got my CCD came back to the UK just because I wanted to be back to the UK otherwise I could have worked as a consultant in Italy but I would have gone through some other processes of you know being able to find a job uh, doing that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. And then, um, and then, am, am I right that you applied for kind of fellow jobs at that point? So that that was that was that when you went to kind of the Bristol Royal Infirmary, or did you go anywhere else apart from Bath? Yeah, yeah. So basically, for Bath at that stage, it was a win-win because Bath didn't have to pay me because my university kept paying my salary. Oh, wow. Lucky that. <laughs> yes, but obviously my salary wasn't good enough, not even for, for renting a flat. <laughs> so Bath would provide me with a, with a flat and, cool. and my salary would come from Italy. And after that, my honorary contract be, became a normal contract. So I would have a paid fellowship. 
Uh, and then after having spent a few years in Bath, which I loved, um, I actually applied for a consultant job in Italy and got that. I don't know if you know this about Wow. Anything. This no, I don't. Know. This is like yeah. It. So in 2019, I actually went back to Italy for a consulting job. And I was a general surgery consultant for one year and a half in the middle of the pandemic, the first pandemic in Italy. Um, and I felt that was a bit flat as well. At that point, I decided I wanted to go back to the UK. And, and at that stage, I applied for the fellowship of BRI. So I went back to the UK. Um, able to, to get this fellowship which uh, kept me in the UK. And now you're working down in Exeter? Correct, so yeah. after the one year of senior corrective fellowship at the BRI I looked for another fellowship because in the meantime I was applying for consultant jobs so at that stage I felt that I could actually apply for consultant jobs even if my paperwork would say that I could do that in 2016 I just didn't feel like I could. Mm. Um, and then so I got another fellowship in Exeter uh, as you said which is another senior collective fellowship and then I applied for the uh, consultant job in Yeovil and um, uh, got appointed a general surgical and colorectal surgical um, consultant job starting as you said next week <laughs> ah so you haven't actually started it Andrea I haven't started I'm not a consultant today <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So you're still, a, still uh, my, a trainee like us. <laughs> yes, my last my last day of work was yesterday. Today I'm on annual leave, and I'm soon starting in yoga. Okay, brilliant. So we've heard a bit about thanks. I didn't I didn't realise kind of quite the difference about what trainees are expected to do between um, Italy and here, and the difference and why you came over to train here. And it sounds like you're. Um, training experiences have been largely good and the end result has been really good. So I just wondered if you could talk to us about a bit about any of the challenges you found with being um, an international trainee um, and w what that looked like for you. Yeah, so I think the main challenge is being able to get the training opportunities uh, that the other trainees get, because obviously you're not a trainee. Uh, you're a person that is employed for uh, offering a service to the trust, you're a trust doctor. And for that reason, they, they will give you the surgical exposure, the surgical uh, knowledge, but no one will really guide you through things. So you need to work that out yourself. So it, I, I, had, I didn't even have the uh, idea of how much surgical exposure I was getting. Everything was brilliant for me, like extremely good. And then when I compared with the others, they went, oh, those are not good numbers. <laughs> because you guys obviously have good numbers. You know exactly what you're doing with your uh, portfolio. And that, that wasn't the case for me. I was operating. It was fantastic. I was doing lots of appendixes. And was, you know, me finally <laughs> yeah. being a surgeon. Uh, and then obviously it takes a while before thinking, oh, I've been three years here now. and I haven't done a QI project search project you start feeling you know, a bit behind so at that point I, I thought I had to catch up a little bit with all the non-surgical skills that obviously some sort of skills that you need anyway to be a consultant because I wasn't even thinking of being a consultant in the UK at that stage as I showed I just went back to Italy mm. um, so yeah I felt a bit behind and that was the main struggle and then when I came back again I had to work mostly on that 
mostly on my endoscopy um, training, which obviously I wasn't entitled to uh, be provided uh, by the hospital that I was working in. Uh, but that went very well in the last year and a half. So I've almost managed to get my accreditation. I'm seven colonoscopies short at the moment. They're <laughs> still giving me a job. <laughs> but, that's reassuring to hear. Living 200 colons. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. And in terms of when you came over, have you got um, a family? Yes. yes. And so, so did they come uh, with you or how did that all work? That must, be, that must be a real challenge as well. Yeah, so I, I got married uh, in 2014, like three months before coming over to the UK. And I came with my wife, who's a nurse. Uh, and okay. then we just settled in the UK at the same time with our differences in you know, English language knowledge. So it took a bit um, longer for one or the other. Uh, and then um, actually my wife loved the UK and I forced her going back to Italy when I had my <laughs> job. Uh, and that's probably the... The main reason why we came back to the UK because she loved working here and living here and she wasn't very happy in Italy as well. And how did, how did you English. both find the language? You mentioned about having to do an exam. Like, how was your English before you turned up? I mean, as uh, we're like notoriously bad at other languages, like the thought of going to Italy <laughs> to work would be, I mean, it would fill me with slight dread. <laughs> yeah, almost impossible. Yeah, you can yeah. say that. Um, and I don't know how much value knowledge you have. There you go. So I, I, when I first met the surgical manager, uh, when I first arrived in Bath, uh, I introduced myself, which obviously, you know, from my school studies, I could speak English okay. Uh, mm. And I had done some extra exams, I don't know, Cambridge exams, things that you do um, when you're when you, you know, overseas. Um, and then he replied, and I got absolutely no idea what he was saying. So like complete gibberish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, at that stage, I realized, oh dear, I can, I can say something, but I just can't communicate. And my vocabulary was incredibly weak. Um, so actually the, the medical English is absolutely fine because it's all Latin. So yeah. Actually, that's not, not a problem whatsoever. Uh, but having a normal conversation with the people at work was impossible. Um, so as I said, mm. it took me three months to be able to pass the exam with the marks that I needed, uh, but it took me even longer to be able to have, you know, phone calls. Like, you know, I'm on call, my blip goes off, and I'd rather walk long distances and go and speak face-to-face -to, -face to people mm. rather than <laughs> get up the phone yeah. and speak about it. how did you develop no that language saying. skill? Was it just through practice or did you like go to classes or? No, no, I didn't go to classes. It was, you know, that, what just I needed was honestly, immersion. You know, the, <laughs> the slang, yes, the slang, the, 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 the uh, colloquialisms, the vocabulary, and that comes with well, probably just watching TV. To be yeah, fair. no, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and in terms of the language barrier, how did you have any kind of negative experiences with patients or did you ever feel like um, communication was a barrier? to talk to patients at all? Um, it might have been initially at the beginning, but obviously our system, you know, when, when we work as surgeons, we always work in a team, don't we? So everywhere I went, there was at least someone who had a good English knowledge with me. So if I wasn't sure, they, they, but there must have been some, sometimes they asked the F1s, what did we say? Especially when they had a, you know, <laughs> a, a, 
thick accent or some some speaking difficulties. You know, the, the main thing is don't pretend that you understand it. Yes, and carry on. You know, mm. asking three times the question is absolutely fine, and that's what I did. And I asked around to, to make sure that I was getting it completely fair. But honestly, at work, as I said, it's never been a real problem because you know the medical terms and the stuff that you know about it's easy to deal with. It's having mm-hmm. dinner out with people is really difficult. <laughs> it's just things we like completely take for granted, isn't it? I mean we're just never really in that position because everywhere everyone speaks English. So we're just so fortunate that we don't have to experience that, but I hmm. just need to deal with the accents. Um, the barrier of going is going and working anywhere is like the bureaucracy and the, and the extra exams, language exams and not knowing the system and kind of being at a disadvantage from that point of view. So was there any part of you that was, that was kind of weighing it up, whether is this, is this going to be too much effort than it's worth, even though you weren't getting operative experience in Italy as much? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing is, Lucy, for a country like Italy and many other southern eastern European countries, we all know someone who's done that. So we, we can speak yeah. to people who have been doing the process and know what difficulties there are. Uh, you know, obviously, until you're doing it, you don't know really what it is about but they can tell you you know i made it i'm sure you'll be fine just study a bit more english and then come over and then after a few months you'll be fine and that is true and also the nhs uh, is very used to having people coming from overseas Uh, Mm -hmm. it's difficult it's difficult for everyone it's different cultures different languages but the system lets you do that and if you wanted to come to italy i'm sure system would have no clue on how to manage to do that because it's just unheard of isn't it yeah there must be a weird reason (laughs) unfortunately unfortunately it would be nice to have you know uh, these changes and in terms of your life as a surgical registrar and now as a surgical consultant is it is it um do you have a better work-life balance here than in italy or um Are there any other stark differences, would you say? So one massive difference is um, that in the uh, university hospitals in Italy, um, you have, you know, trainees and consultants and, you know, different levels of expertise and you're allocated to different things. As I said, obviously, you will always have a consultant supervising uh, directly. Um, uh, There's there's lots of people there with different... um, um, skill levels in the peripheral hospitals like a district hospital where I was working as a consultant in Italy I was actually F1 SHO registrar consultant at the same time the main difference was there was a chief which you know we don't have in the surgical departments in, in the UK there's no chief of surgery um, and the, the other were all consultants of different uh, experience or expertise so if you were 60 in age, obviously you would be more expert. You might have your own patients and do your own operating. If you were 30, what was I at that point? 36. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. I didn't have you know, my own patients coming <laughs> to, to look for me. Uh, and, and they wouldn't come from the GPs because they wouldn't know me. Um, and, and that's tough. You just get to operate on what the chief wants you to operate. So obviously, if you yeah. have a... 
open-minded chief that realizes that you can do stuff and they want you to grow, that's great. And you can actually yeah. operate a lot and do a lot of surgery or things as you want to do. Uh, but they might actually stop you uh, doing that. And you find yourself being a consultant doing discharge summaries and correcting potassium and <laughs> calling people at home to, to come in for an operation, uh, which is ridiculous. Plus, I felt like in Italy I was constantly on duty because even when I wasn't working, often I was available from home. Um, which is a bit weird, but you know, when you work in small hospitals, the, the, the numbers of the people employed is small. Uh, sometimes we were seven, sometimes we were three, like in three months people would leave and, and, and we would be three people doing the work of seven people. And at that point, mm-hmm. you're just available all the time. And my wife, my wife wasn't very happy with that. No, I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> so kind of looking forward a little bit obviously you'll still be prescribed with the potassium and so doing the discharge summaries when you're a consultant <laughs> next week um, <laughs> what um you know what do you see as being worries of you know consultant life i suppose for lucy and i as junior trainees you know my thought of being the main operating surgeon it all you know things being under my name or you know, the operative side of things, I think, would fill me with anxiety. But probably maybe that actually once you get to the point of becoming a consultant, that's not your worry. I don't know. What, what's your main concern, do you think? Well, obviously, everything is a bit of a concern because starting a new, completely different um, job in terms of responsibility is a bit concerning. But you are actually right. It's not that much the operating um, mm. concern about. It's more, you know, everything else, the responsibility around the patients um, and the ability of being the leader of a team, the ability of being able to keep everyone happy and to put the patient at the centre of your decisions. Um, that's probably going to be the main challenge. Obviously, it's something that you trained to do when you're a registrar because you know we are left to make decisions important decisions when we call as registrars what we need to ground so it's pretty much stuff that i've been doing uh, over the years especially in the last couple of years but um that will be the main challenge i think mm. i mean is there anything that you think for can trainees help in that scenario we've got um a great new consultant, Philip, who's just started in Taunton. And yes. um, I was on call with her last weekend. It's her first consultant weekend. <clears> and <throat> I was kind of mindful of like, what can I do to try and like make this weekend good for her um, as a trainee? Are there things that trainees can do or fellow consultants? What can we all do to help? Well, obviously, you know, uh, for me, Yorville is also a new place, completely new place. It's not a new job, a new um, load of responsibilities but also a new place so obviously the trainees someone who knows what to do in some situations and you know to, to stay in between us to know what the others do in some occasions it's really it's really, good. Yeah. It's really yeah. important isn't it and um, obviously you want to to bring your own uh, style your decisions your you know, want to do the right thing but sometimes that what the others tend to do is is probably the right thing anyway um the trainees know all about that right they will say oh mr b 
does that it's the way it is please what do you think oh, i might say yeah you can take your pick <laughs> maybe other or, or something else or yeah, you can you can put your request form under this door and then they get dealt with urgently <laughs> absolutely exactly so how do we book a decompression of a ball villas at seven o'clock in the morning <laughs> yeah that's really important and obviously you guys um, will be incredibly important you know I, I, i'm looking forward to work with my genius Oh, no, that's great. I mean, unfortunately, we're kind of coming towards the end of our time. We, I feel like we could keep on talking to you way more. Um, I don't know if you can hear, I've got building work going on, so um, I can hear the builder start to start drilling again. So I think it's best we start wrapping up. Um, that's fine. We've got um, one final question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, just, it, it gives us a flavor of um, people we speak to. What would you say is your favorite book of all time? What would you recommend is a book we must read? Uh, you're not talking about surgical books. If no. that's what you would choose, that's <laughs> fine, but you will be judged. <laughs> that's <it>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This but maybe you don't read. The, <laughs> well, the problem is, obviously, you know, most of my, the books I've read are in Italian. I'm not even sure. <laughs> Or a film, you can have a film, or a book. Give me 30 minutes. (laughs) 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 We'll, you can can email us with the answer. The answer's great enough, (laughs) isn't it? That's why you can decide. I could do that. I mean, it's funny because the last book that I've read, it's actually a present from one of the consultants. It's a book on the history of England. (laughs) And I I loved it. It was really good because it told me a lot about the differences between South and North, you know, Wales and and Scotland, the relationships with with England. And I I loved it because it gave me an historical picture of you know, the, the great Britain from start to finish, which obviously I didn't really focus on when I started at school. Um, that's not the cool stuff that you wanted to hear, but actually I would recommend <laughs> that, that do, to... That will do, that yeah. not, not, not to the British trainees, but probably to whoever comes from overseas. That's Brilliant, that's thank you so much. Um, so thank you, Andrea. That is, um, it's been brilliant talking to you. Thank you for giving up your precious time as a newly appointed consultant um, on your day off. Day. Yeah. Enjoy your final week. <laughs> yeah, it's been wonderful talking to you. And um, just to close off, um, this has been Mr. Andrea Saracino, who is a colorectal consultant um, in Yeovo District Hospital, and Lucy and Lydia. So we'll see you next time for Through the Keyhole. joining through the keyhole you will find more interesting podcasts in this series as well as online resources from the als gbi at www.alsgbi.org